Hey everybody, welcome to another great episode of the This Week in Marvel podcast. I guess I should say hello Marvelites, but this is once again Marvel.com editor Ben Morris welcoming you to the official Marvel.com podcast where we talk everything Marvel from movies to comics to TV to toys to gear to Alex's twitching eye as he sits across from me. Yes, <laughs> here on episode 168. Uh, it's going to be a little different, a little bit of a two-parter. Uh, the first part, I'm recording with our ever-reliable intern, Alex, sitting How's across the table from me. Wait so for me to bring you in. <laughs> I thought you were done. No. I'm filling up how, was I, how am I done when I'm literally mid-sentence? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Alex, filling in for Ryan. How's it going? He's sick, and he just got back from vacation, so yeah. he's got double things. Well, yeah, it's a birthday, actually, today. <laughs> yeah. You're filling in for him on this part of the show. Yeah. First part of the show, we're going to do what we always do, talk about the comics came out, uh, go through the news, everything else. But then the second part of the show which is the Unlimited Reading Club with Round Robin, Sidekicks for Revenge. Ryan will be back, knock on wood. We <laughs> hope for that. We're going to record that tomorrow. So by the time you guys get this on Thursday, it will all be one seamless episode. But we're recording it in parts, so let's get right into part one. We got a lot of comics this week. I said we had a lot of comics last week. I counted. We have more this week. So we're going to we're gonna have to hustle through them. Um, and we start with all-new Captain America, number three, written by Rick Remender, art by Stuart Immonen, beautiful art by Stuart Immonen, who I don't think we credit enough for how consistently excellent he is. And really, the whole team here, Wade Von Garbadger on inks, and Marte Gracia, along with Dono Sanchez Almara on colors. There's actually some flashback sequences here where the colors really shine because it's a lot of black and white stuff muted colors, stuff like that. Focus on Sam Wilson, new Captain America, goes up against Sin, the daughter of the Red Skull, who's a particularly nasty villain. She plays a psychological game with him. This is, if you know the Falcon's backstory, there have been a few origins for him. Um, some conflicting stuff. And a lot of it centers around the Red Skull and what kind of man Sam Wilson was before becoming the Falcon. Sin uses all of that against him, but it's clever because it also allows Rick Remender to kind of say, okay, here are all these different origins. Here's what's true. Here's what's not, at least according to him. And here's what, you know, decide for yourself. The end of the day, you come out with Sam is a flawed person, uh, probably more so than Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers always seems kind of just like a paragon. Uh, but Sam Rogers, not perfect, but a lot better than people give him credit for. So this is kind of a definitive issue in terms of just teeing up this is why Sam deserves to be Captain America. And the stuff he does towards the end of the issue, dealing with the larger plot by Baron Zemo and his team, really established why he is very capable and he can handle stuff like this. So he survives his battle with Sin and has to go on to much bigger, badder things to get revenge for a really nasty thing Zemo did last issue. Oh, yeah. Very good, Alex. I like, how they, I like how they come out, they show you exactly what he did, like mm -hmm. right in the beginning of the page, and it kind of just like brings you back, and you're like, oh, man, yeah, I forgot that happened. <laughs> All-New Ghost Rider, number 10. Big issue for All-New Ghost Rider, written by Felipe Smith, art by Damian Scott. It is Robbie Reyes not only having to finally go up against the Blue Crew and all the bullies who have tormented him and Mr. Hyde, but also an internal battle between him and Eli Morrow, who is the demon, the spirit that is trying to possess him. Uh, Johnny Blaze is on hand, so we get a little more insight into how this particular Ghost Rider works. It's very different. All the stuff I love about this book, how it's kind of a, it's, it, it's a twisted version of the typical Marvel hero. Not twisted, but just different, just gritty. It's street level, 
probably in a realer way than we've ever seen any other street level Marvel character. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, references to just murder in mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the whole up. book. Yeah, but even you know the stuff that goes on with Robbie's teacher at his high school and stuff with his brother, which is always emotional. A uh, nice climax to this first ten issue story, and really opens up for you know something new to happen next issue, and we'll see where the next story takes this title. All New Ultimates, speaking of conclusions, is the final issue of All New Ultimates, written by Michelle Feith, art by Amakar Pinna. Great cover. This weird, like, Where's Waldo-esque cover. Uh, I guess he did this one. Uh, David Nakayama. Um, I like that. of the recap page, which shows you all these crazy characters that Michelle's introduced over the past year, from the Ultimates, the Terror Incorporated, to the Serpent Skulls, uh, Taskmaster, all this other stuff. I, I, it's been one long, as I've said, kind of tribute to Mark Grunewald's 80s work and a lot of weird 80s characters done in an ultimate style, which has been kind of neat because it's just not something you expect. And there is another throw out to Mark Grunewald in here. I love there's there's a bartender named Grunny who looks like Mark Grunewald. Stop laughing like you have any idea who Mark Grunewald is. I do, actually. I know oh, good. <laughs> I've done something right. I didn't pick that up, though, when I was reading it. Yeah. And then now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But this is the final showdown <clears throat> with Mr. Jip, with all these characters coming together. Michelle Phoebe's created a cool little sub-universe within the Ultimate Universe here. Um, it'll be interesting to see if people play with the stuff he set up, if he comes back to do more. But a cool 12-issue arc for him. Something different, something groundbreaking. He talks about a lot on the last page where he kind of says goodbye, that you know this is not your typical Ultimate book or even your typical Marvel book. So the, chap, the, fan, the fact that he had you know 12 issues to do this, Told neat stories, took some chances. Good on him. Good on Alma Carpena. Good stuff. All right. Up next, we have Amazing X-Men number 15. This is the first part of a four-part story. Uh, the Once and Future Juggernaut, written by Christopher Yost, art by Jorge Fornes. And this is all about the ruby of Cytorak is back on Earth, and it's calling to Colossus. And what he does, he tells Storm... And he says, we have to get it, and she's basically not having anything to do with Colossus. No, Storm's pissed. Yeah, she's extremely mad. She was like, Wolverine's the one who gave you your opportunity to come back. She's like, I don't have to be Wolverine, basically, yeah. you know? And Storm and Colossus, you know, for years, very close. But I think the weight of, you know, Colossus is just, he's screwed up a bunch of times. Yeah. And as Storm... the Juggernaut, as the Phoenix, mm-hmm. and he's made some questionable decisions. Yeah. Storm's got no more patience for it. Yeah, exactly. And so they believe him. But they don't take him on the trip to go see this ruby. And by the end of the story, something pops up they didn't expect. And it looks like Colossus might have to come save the day, hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. Might be more questionable decisions. Also of note in here, uh, since Ryan's here, I'll speak for both of us. One of our favorite things about the Cable and X-Force series was the, was the Colossus-Domino relationship, which mm-hmm. we were worried got shuttled to the side. It is fully Full present front. here first few pages yeah it's, it's all over the place here so that's cool i'm glad they're keeping that up and also there's a great line when colossus is moping trying to figure out what to do and he says what would wolverine do and one of the students tells him probably team up with a teenage girl and go kill a lot of guys yeah. which is a great line yeah that was a great line at the end Avengers number 34.2, if you can stick with our wonky numbering here, we're jumping back to, if you remember, 34.1 was a Hyperion spotlight issue. This is a Starbrand spotlight issue, which also means Night Mask gets some spotlight as well. Written by Sam Humphreys, beautiful art by Bengal. Uh, These characters, we haven't really seen too much of. They've been there in the bigger Avengers stuff, but they haven't had a solo adventure to call their own. Uh, Starbrand is having a lot of trouble connecting with Earth. 
he was pretty estranged even when he was human. Now that he has the Starbrand powers, he doesn't really see a place for him on the planet. Nightmass says, but you know, you're supposed to protect the Earth. You need to understand about it. So they pretty much go on a case together. Uh, they go to the middle of, I think it's New Orleans. Um, uh, South Carolina. South Carolina? Yeah. I, sh- I should probably know that. That's and where Blake's from. Nightmask is hilarious. When he's trying to fit in with the people and the way he dresses. Yeah. Nightmask is great. <laughs> he uh, completely removed cosmic bean type person who gets all his inter- information to the internet. Uh, the two of them are just like fish out of water. Meet up with Spider Woman's biggest fan, this cute little girl. And they deal with a big cosmic entity who's not only a challenge for them, but also challenges Starbrand in the sense of, you know, where do you belong? You you belong more out in space with people mm-hmm. like me. Why are you dealing with this? Uh, cool issue. Really made me care about Starbrand in a way I had not to date just because he hasn't had a lot of chance to show who he is. But this will be big in terms of these characters figuring into the larger Avengers plans. Speaking of Avengers, jumping forward to Avengers number 40. Ooh. Four months till time runs out. Oh, yeah. It's happening. It is, it is going to run it's out. It's getting there. <laughs> uh, we got the Secret Wars logo on the cover for the very first time, which is super neat. A uh, lot going on in this issue. I'm going to try to flip through quickly. It's written by Jonathan Hickman, great art by Stefano Caselli. We're still in the midst of this war between the Illuminati and the Avengers a few months from now as the incursions are coming down hot and heavy. Framing sequence of the Black Panther, who has a couple of huge moments in this issue. Really poignant. Hickman has invested a lot of time in the Black Panther, going all the way back to his Fantastic Four run, and it's really everything's coming home to roost here. The Illuminati and the Avengers actually have a a talk. After all this time fighting, Reed Richards and his crew finally get Steve Rogers to listen to, like, look, this is what's happening. This is what we need to do. There is some hilarious stuff with Cannonball and Sunspot. Oh, my God. I was which, cracking up. Which is much needed because this is so serious and so big. But we learn a lot of what the Illuminati has been up to, find out stuff about Namor. Basically, the, whole, the rest of the second half of the issue after the talk is about dealing with the Cabal. Steve Rogers, by the way, just insisted. He's like, I'm not going to... I don't care that the world is threatened. I don't care if the universe is collapsing. Until you guys admit you were wrong, yeah. I'm not talking to you. He's like, you will answer yeah, for this you no matter what. <laughs> so we got the Cabal, the Namor gathered group of villains, includes Thanos and his crew. They got to get them off the board. It's a lot of machinations and stuff to try to do that. So I pretty much summarized the first half of the issue. I'm not going to summarize the second half because that's where all the action takes place, but there's some big stuff. This issue is huge. Huge, important huge. stuff happening. Dialogue's great. Art's great, pacing's great, uh, really tease up Secret Wars as being a time where anyone can do anything. Uh, you can't trust any character. Um, there's a lot of people with motivation to take big actions, and one, or two rather, uh, make a major move here that definitely changes the game as we're only four months away from Secret Wars. That ending. Yeah. Oh, man. It's pretty intense. Uh, this is a really, really good issue. Um, definitely one of the strongest ones of this run so far, which has been a really powerful story already. Captain Marvel number 11, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and art by David Lopez. It's the second part of A Christmas Carol, which has Carol Danvers back on Earth dealing with loose ends. Uh, Leela Cheney departs almost immediately to go shopping because she realizes it's Christmas and she needs to go Christmas shopping. Beautiful page right off the bat with Carol just wheeling her energy. David Lopez does a great job this issue. Carol goes to visit um, her friend Tracy in the hospital. Uh, that was basically her reason for coming back to Earth. Some really emotional stuff that Kelly Sue is so good at. But in the midst of it, 
uh, Carol's got to deal with a pair of villains. She's got to deal with her arch enemy, Grace Valentine, as well as June Covington. Great villain, Toxic Doxy, uh, Kelly Sue's creation from way back in the Osborne series. No one writes her quite like her. She gets some unexpected help and gets out of a sticky situation and manages to do some cool stuff at the end of the issue. Gets a little help from Jarvis and some other stuff. This is a nice trip back to Earth for Captain Marvel. Nice two-issue sojourn. Uh, great last page. Yeah, nice little happy ending. Yeah, and uh, next we'll, we'll head back out into space, see what happens next. All right, up next we got Cyclops number nine, written by John Lehman, art by Javier Garon. And this picks up where the last issue left off. Uh, Captain Malefact ordered Cyclops to torture his dad, and he does just that. Or does he? <laughs> um, no, really, he's... It, they're kind of training. They make it seem like he's training them. And the first officer, uh, Sisk, I believe his name is, gets real suspicious of Cyclops and his dad. And the captain's really going for Cyclops. He, he uh, the Cyclops has a romance with his daughter. It start. There's a whole underlying issue that is he really becoming part of this crew? Yeah. You know, it's starting or, to like him. Yeah. Or is he start? Or is he really true to his dad? And they go on a mission. There's some surprise visitors, and at the end, there's a, something big that happens. And Cyclops is gonna have to be—he's gonna be forced to make a decision, basically. Yeah. And it's, it was a great issue. Daredevil number twelve wraps up this Stuntmaster story with about eighty-five uh, reveals and reverses, and it's Mark Wade at his finest, Chris Samney drawing the hell out of it. But yeah, basically, we ended the last issue. Great. <laughs> What? That, that issue is great. We, uh, we ended last <laughs> issue with Daredevil finding out that the stunt ma- how, how the new stuntmaster was pulling off his stunts and then thinking he had kind of figured out who was behind it all. There's at least two or three times here where you get the rug pulled out from under you. Oh, oh man. There's so many twists and turns. You're, you're sitting there, you're, being, you're like, wait, what? Uh, what? <laughs> and while all that's going on, while Daredevil's finding out motivation under motivation under motivation – You've also just got this chase, so it's like you've got a mystery, but you've also got basically a non-stop chase scene. You have the best chase scene I've ever seen in a comic book before. <laughs> but it's it, 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 it's bro- it's segmented because you got Daredevil chasing. Basically, it's like Daredevil chases Stuntmaster up a bridge, and then there's a break, and then Daredevil chases yeah. Stuntmaster across the city, and then there's a break, and then it's like chase mystery chase mystery it's 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 really breakneck and it's really good and then the issue ends with a turning point in a relationship and the villain ends up being really nasty but also someone you can kind of relate to and understand so just good stuff from the daredevil team who is better at this than anybody (laughs) all right up next we have deadpool number 40 written by jerry duggan brian poson and art by scott coblish and this was one of the funniest issues of Deadpool. I mean, all Deadpool issues are pretty funny, but this was hilarious. I guess it's a belated holiday issue, you can say. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's basically Deadpool dealing with Dario Agar and... Making his first non-Thor appearance, which yeah. is pretty great. Roxanne and Deadpool presents <laughs> the, the Magic of Gracking is the title of this. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just about... Them, the energy companies, and this new way that Dario is going to bring, I guess, somewhat cheaper energy to people's houses, but it's incredibly lethal yeah. and environmental destructive. And you have so many, like, 
guest appearances. You have a celebrity guest appearance. You have appearance of from Jason Latour and Jason Aaron. Yeah, Jason uh, Latour and Jason Aaron are great. <laughs> yeah, and something hilarious happens with Latour, and Aaron's beard gets involved. Great. Jason Aaron uh, versus Dario Agri is great, where he basically is like, "I created you, and I can end you." Um, and also worth noting that Val Staples, the colorist, steps up here because the whole thing is done like a coloring book, sort yeah, of. So it's like half colored. It's not even done just like a coloring, coloring yeah. book. It actually is a coloring book. In a couple pages, you have like a crossword puzzle. Mm -hmm. You have word search. All yeah. that. It's like a little kid's book. But, but it's like that's not your typical coloring. So yeah. Val has to kind of step outside of his comfort zone to, to get this done. He does a beautiful job. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's um, it's probably unlike you, anything you guys have ever seen. But, yeah, it's just a really fun issue and you should definitely check it out just for a bunch of laughs all right so over to Deathlock number four written by nathan edmondson art by mark perkins not mike perkins of course <laughs> a friend of mine who's probably gonna be pissed at me now uh no he's not listening um Deathlock number four written by nathan edmondson art by mike perkins we've got Deathlock, the new Deathlock, henry hayes continuing to carry out missions abroad some brutal stuff and some great art by mike but also at home He's looking into what's going on with his daughter and gets in some trouble. And the question here starts becoming, uh, you know, the ongoing thing in this Deathlock series is when is he going to realize what's going on? Because he has no idea he's Deathlock or what's going on. And he comes close here, and his handler is starting to become conflicted about what she's doing. Meanwhile, you've also got Domino uh, investigating the former Deathlock, Michael Collins, trying to find some stuff out, and internal strife going on in S.H.I.E.L.D. as far as how to deal with Deadlock. So a lot, of, a lot of politics going on, a lot of drama, and just beautiful, beautiful art throughout the whole thing. Empire of the Dead, Act 2, number 5, written by George A. Romero, illustrated by Dalibor Talajik. This is the conclusion to Act 2. We've got Paul Barnum starting to finally make a move against Mayor Chandrake, uh, who is trying to find out all the rabble-rousers are trying to screw around with him. But Paul Barnum realizes something's going on with Penny Jones. And after 10 issues of kind of sitting back, he's finally ready to make a move. We learn something about the mayor's wife and her relationship to Paul. There's stuff going on with the zombies. Uh, there's stuff going on with the southern folks who are invading. There's a lot of action. Uh, it looks like the Act 3 is where things are really going to start heating up. Act 2 is kind of... You know, Act 1 introduced everything. Act 2 got people into place. Now it looks like Act 3 is where things are really going to start heating up. Uh, up next, we have Guardians 3000, number 4, written by Dan Abnett, art by Gerardo Sandoval. And basically, this issue starts with a little Vance Astro's um, background and his origin. And it's pretty cool to start off an issue, you know, give you new readers um, something to look at and find out something more about Vance Astro and exactly what he's all about. But you have the team split up. It's Van Astro, Starhawk, and Martin X in the middle of space, and they're fighting these A-Stark sentient robots. And then you have Gina Drake, Charlie 27, and Yondu Udanta, and um, you have Star-Lord on the Star-Lord's ship. And basically, you find out that they're all trying to figure out the same thing. They're trying to figure out this whole problem of the time that's going on, time reality. And it's really strange, and you, you start to get the... the uh, the whole idea that these robots, they're built by Tony Stark somehow, you just don't find out how yet. And they're trying to tell these robots, we know your creator, and the robots are like, we have, we all are like programming, we have the like all this history, but our history's not complete, so it might be true. So I don't know if they're gonna start working together, we'll see next issue or something, but they're all working towards the same thing. It's Gina Drake is a key part in this time, that's go all this time problems that are going on. And towards the end of the issue, you get 
two pop-ups, two surprise guests that I think they will take us far in the next issues. Absolutely. All right, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Season 2, Number 3. This is the adaptation of our hit animated series, Marvel's Avengers Assemble. This one is based on the episode Hulk's Day Out, which is written by Man of Action and Jay Faber, and it's adapted by our boy Joe Caramagna. All right, then we have up next, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, number nine, written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by David Marquez. Yeah, David Marquez, who works in two very distinct styles oh, here, which I is did. cool. I had to keep going back and seeing if someone like inked him differently. No, he inks everything. He just changes his style for yeah. the present-day stuff in the flashbacks. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, you, so you get the conclusion of Miles' dad's story. Uh, he worked undercover for S.H.I.E.L.D., infiltrated King Pang's, Kingpin's uh, gang, and the flashbacks, yeah, with Kingpin, like this one huge splash page. It's, like, it's incredible. The art's amazing in this mm -hmm. book. And the whole story is just amazing. You find out exactly why Nick Fury wanted Miles' dad to infiltrate the gang and figure out exactly what Kingpin was up to towards the end of the issue you find all that out and you also get this nice little reconcile between miles and his dad and you know it, it's really warms the heart but at the same time it tells a great story absolutely nightcrawler number 10 written by chris claremont great art by todd knock this is the wrap to nightcrawler against the x-men essentially because he's fighting the shadow king who has possessed the x-men who have possessed the crimson pirates luckily he's got bloody bess on his side and he gets a couple more surprising allies shadow king Always one of the creepiest X-Men villains to me. Uh, was right there when I was a kid. Uh, Nightcrawler is great to go up against him just because Nightcrawler is so pure of heart, whereas the Shadow King is just ultimately corrupted. Uh, in the midst of the issue, we get kind of a surprise turn where Nightcrawler ends up going to a different kind of place, and we get more surprise guest stars. So a lot of cool drawing on X-Men's history here. No one better to do that than Chris Claremont. Just continuing to write a really fun Nightcrawler book that Todd Knox drawing the heck out of. Yeah, there's one page of a bunch of surprise guest stars that when I first saw, I was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah. I was like, "Nice." Okay, Shield number two, first issue of the series was so awesome. How does the second issue do? Pretty darn good. It's a lot of fun. Uh, written by Mark Wade. This time around, art by Umberto Ramos. And the feature characters here: are Agent Coulson and Agent Simmons. Background on Agent Simmons: how she fits into the comics world. Neat because. We now know more about her in the comics than we do about in the TV show. So you're gonna get you're gonna get that here, where you know because there's a little more space here, you're gonna probably learn details about the comics versions of these characters maybe before the TV versions, and we'll see how those two sync up. But uh, Agent Simmons is doing some substitute teaching work undercover, of course, for Shield at a high school in Jersey City, which happens to be the high school that Kamala Khan is at. There is a supervillain equipment black market ring thing going on with some of the students so Coulson comes in to help break it up Miss Marvel gets in on the action really interesting dynamics both between Simmons and Miss Marvel as well as Coulson and Miss Marvel of course Miss Marvel's still a very new character Mark Wade getting the opportunity to write her a character he's really really good at captures G. Willow Wilson's tone very nicely but also something different for her in the shield book her and Coulson are great together because they're both nerds yeah. who love superhero and supervillain stuff. Bouncing their knowledge off of each other yep. and testing each other. Is Correcting great. each other. <laughs> and then Simmons is more of a kind of a kindred spirit. Uh, the threat they end up going against is great because it's not a supervillain per se, but it's basically supervillain equipment run amok. So if you're someone who loves the details and the minutia of Marvel like I do, you're going to love this issue. 
Yeah, I just love how Miss Marvel's handled, and of course, anything that's drawn by Umberto Ramos, you're not going to go wrong with that. So, Shield, two for two, man, right out the gate. That's very, very strong stuff. For some reason, my biggest takeaway with that, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though it's a huge issue, there's so many things that are so enjoyable, but like the first few pages, and I was like, whoa, Simmons has siblings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> you know? That's a cool little fact. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> now we have Silver Surfer number eight, written by Dan Slott, art by Michael and Laura Allred. And this, you know, I'll go for the issues going with all the past issues. Silver Surfer kind of starts off this issue. He wants to do something nice for Dawn Greenwood. So he lets her, he lets her steer the board. <laughs> you know, he lets her drive. And what happens is essentially they run into this planet that was cloaked. And this planet is just filled with a bunch of species. They're, they're the last of the, all their kinds. And... They find out who um, the Silver Surfer has to go. Has to go. I guess it's like desilvering or something. Yeah, yeah. silver's <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, silver's yeah. off. And uh, Dawn silver says, down? He, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't, you, yeah, silver, silver down. Let's go yeah. silver down. It's but, in the book." <laughs> and uh, Dawn says his name in front of all these species, and they go Norin, and they kind yeah. of reveal to Dawn who exactly. Silver Surfer is the Herald. It's a devastating issue because it's been kind of, they've been skirting around this the whole series to date. The fact that, you know, Don Greenwood does not know who the Silver Surfer is. Silver Surfer, good guy now, you Mm -hmm. know, hero to everyone, but But has a... Wasn't always. (laughs) No, dark past, responsible for the deaths of literally millions. I think it's like trillions in the book, and Don's like, trillions? Yeah, (laughs) and he does not want her to know this. This is someone he cares about. Really great dramatic pacing, so that now when the revelation hits here and Don is so upset and repulsed and Surfer's reaction is just gut-wrenching. He just felt so bad. I'm like, oh, I didn't want her to find out. And the way she reacts is so harsh. And the idea of this planet of people who are basically refugees from the surfer, it's something that's played with before, but I don't think ever quite so well as Dan Slott does it here. And Mike Allred just, you know, his art's so fun, Mm -hmm. but then when things get serious, it just, it almost twists it further. It's really good. It is really good. And yeah, it's just a bunch of heartbreak at the end. And then it kind of leads somewhere that we'll see. Next oh, it's going to get so much worse. Yeah, it's going to get awful. So much worse. <laughs> Spider-Verse number two, this week's Spider-Verse tie-in is the anthology book that has a bunch of different spider stories. First one is a quickie written by Dan Slott, art by Chris Anka. It's basically video game Spider-Man. Like I think it might be Marvel versus Capcom Spider-Man. Uh, just in a one-pager against Moreland. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Catherine Imminent and David LaFuente do a very Catherine Imminent and David LaFuente story about a Nazi, who, of course, is a historical mythological figure. And it's basically, it's cool. It's just a little fable. Mm-hmm. Um, With Great Power Comes No Future, written by Jed McKay, art by Sheldon Vela. It is the origin of Spider-Punk, and I wish Ryan was here to discuss this because this is such a hymn story. It's this crazy punk rock future. The art is phenomenal. The twists on different Spider-Man lore characters, villains, other stuff is amazing. Spider-Punk is this ridiculous character. I had a lot of fun with this. Um, And who it is under the mask actually turns out to be really cool because it is a character from Spider-Man history, but it is not Peter Parker. Uh, there is a story completely in Spanish called <laughs> El Espíritu de las Cales with Enrique Puig is the writer and then Francisco Herrera is the artist and it looks beautiful but I could not read it because it's in Spanish but apparently there's an English version you can read. Oh, 
Did you read it? I did not read it. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for nothing. No, and finally... I, I can't really read Spanish, to be honest. No so. kidding. <laughs> finally, we have something called It's the Little Things, which did details in the midst of one of the big battles, a meeting between two Spider-Men, written mm -hmm. by Dan Slott, art by Ty Templeton. We're trying to figure out what the difference is between them, um, and it seems like everything is the same. Uh, and then there's a reveal. It's a subtle one. Did you catch it? No, I didn't, Did you actually. see what it is? No. It's right here. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It must be the it's little very, things. It's Ooh. very subtle. It's very little, Holy. but this actually leads into something that's coming this summer. So, wow. cool little tease. That is awesome. <laughs> All right. A book we do not have in front of us, but that I read. I'm going to explain what happened here. So, <laughs> I mean, basically the biggest book we put out this week, Star Wars number one. The biggest. We did, that's what I just said. <laughs> we did not get copies in our bundle. I spoke to editor uh, Jordan White. The mm -hmm. reason for this is that we're not taking any chances on this getting out uh, uh, before it comes out. So there's no physical copies out there, not even to Marvel employees. I read a PDF. Let me tell you, it is well worth the wait. John Cassidy doing probably the best art maybe in his career, definitely in like just quantum. You can tell how much he loves this stuff. He's so into it. Jason Aaron writing, one of the best writers we got. This picks up after Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope. You got all the characters you want to see. Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, the droids, Chewie, Darth Vader. They're all in this. Uh, it is such a cool progression from right after we saw the end of New Hope. Death Star blew up. You know, the rebels are finally starting to fight. And it's basically just... Our core cast of heroes going on probably what's a pretty regular mission for them, but a cool one that really gets to show off their personalities, their powers. Some great lines in there. Uh, Jason Aaron, both both Jason Aaron and John Cassie, you can tell, are having the time of their lives. Love doing this, love writing this, but just some lines, some stuff Jason Aaron throws in that's kind of comedic throwbacks to the first movies, um, little touches Cassidy will put in. Uh, by the time Vader shows up, towards the end it really is like oh crap like wow. this is this is one of the baddest villains in the history of all of fiction um any star wars fan and the way it ends last page is great um any star wars fan who has been jonesing for a new star wars story from waiting for these marvel comics i cannot imagine you'll be disappointed it is so masterfully done and my hat is off to everyone who worked on it i need to read it <laughs> soon enough my friend soon enough uh, in other cosmic news, <laughs> back in the Marvel Universe, we got Thanos vs. Hulk number two, art and writing by Jim Starlin. Thanos confronts the Hulk in the negative zone, has a battle inside a sort of simulated reality. Annihilus and Blastar are plotting on the outside, Pip the Trolls jumping around, all sorts of craziness. Starlin draws it like only Starlin can. It's, it is, it's what the title says, Thanos fights Hulk. It's crazy. Bruce Banner actually plays a significant role. And not sure what's going to happen with Thanos coming out of this issue because he kind of plays his part and then pieces out, and there's more to come with Hulk and Annihilus, and I'm sure Thanos will be re-entering the equation. All right, up next we have Wolverine's number two, written by Ray Fox and art by Allison Borges, who kills it this issue. I love the art in this book. It, it Just from the first page, it's lovely. It's just amazing. But, yeah, this picks up where the last issue left off, and the whole Shogun, Nora, Endo, Skell, Junk, Sabretooth, Lady Deathstrike, Doc, and X-23, they're getting their butts kicked by the, the Wrecking Crew. Mm -hmm. And basically, it leaves it down to Mystique to come save the day. She makes a deal with them, they go away. 
But last issue, Sinister, he took Dawkins' arm, Dawkins' eye, and he took Wolverine's body. So now, the only thing they're, they're worrying about is how we're going to get Wolverine's body back, because this is what's going to save the Paradise Experiments. So they start devising a plan, and next issue, we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> All right, and finally, last but not least, we got X-Force number 14, written by Seth Spurrier, art by Rocky Kim. Marrow, who was one of the first narrators of this book, is back to give us a trip inside of her twisted little head. Uh, X-Force is still trying to get Phantom X, who's gone completely rogue at this point. They get some help from Forget-Me-Not, great character, mm -hmm. who is at this point kind of an emissary for Hope, who has a plan. As she pulls things together, much to the chagrin of her father, she uses the talents of every member of X-Force, Marrow in particular, who has some great lines in this book. And it looks like they're finally going to have a chance against Phantom X, but they're going to have to kind of put their differences aside and be a different sort of X-Force if they're going to pull it off, especially uh, the last page. Hope has a decent uh, secret weapon, but it remains to be seen how well it's going to work. I, I loved how, <laughs> whenever Forget Me Not try to talk to everyone, they're like, yeah. who are you again? Yeah, I don't know who he is. <laughs> That's his deal. Every single time without the whole book. Very funny. All right, some really good stuff this week. Alex, I'm going to let you start with your Twim of the Week. Ooh, let's see, let's see. I really enjoyed Miles Morales' Ultimate Spider-Man number nine. I cool. thought that was really, I, I liked the ending to mm -hmm. it, and I really enjoyed the art throughout the whole book, the flashbacks, everything. It, it brought it all together for me. Beautiful. All right. I'm going to say, much like Miracle Man is Miracle Man, and we put it in a separate category, yeah. Star Wars is Star Wars. So Star Wars is kind of, we just it's really good. Like, <laughs> we'll just say that, but it's kind of out of the twin of the running. We'll see if Ryan feels differently when he gets back. Um, Avengers 40 was really packed with stuff, and Huge. I love that. Deadpool was hilarious. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Silver Surfer number nine. Really nailed me in the gut, and it was just a really good good issue the feels yeah yeah what you kids say <laughs> all right also on sale in collections this week avengers time runs out volume one in hardcover deathlock the souls of cyber folk some 90s stuff from uh the michael collins run iron man volume four iron metropolitan marvel masterworks the incredible hulk volume one in hardcover star wars the original marvel years on the bus so that's the old 1980s star wars comics that's volume one it's out in hardcover uncanny x-men volume three the good the bad and the inhuman over on the Marvel Comics app, everything we just outlined to you guys is available this week on the Marvel Comics app, as well as Deathlock 1 through 15 from 1991, as well as the Deathlock Annual from 1992, Secrets of House of M number 1, and Thor issue 142 from the original volume. Collections on the app, Cable Volume 3, Stranded, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, Volume 2, Mystery Date, Generation Hope, End of a Generation, House of M, Masters of Evil, and X-23, Volume 2, Chaos Theory. Freshly digitized, uh, when I went to check last night, they had not yet updated, but I'm sure they will, so keep checking back on Marvel Unlimited for that. And before we head out to Mark and Patrick in L.A. and then come back here with Ryan, some quick news on the comics front. We announced that Deadpool number 250 will be coming out in April. It will also be called Deadpool number 45, but it is the <coughs> 250th solo issue of Deadpool, and to celebrate it, we're killing them off. Final issue of Deadpool, mm. he dies. Uh, yeah, 
Mixed emotions, Alex? Yeah, I read this yesterday. <laughs> I was just like, no. Yeah. I was like, it's going to be a great story, but no. See, man. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn have some twists and turns. Uh, also, new series announced last week from Charles Soule and Steve McNiven, Uncanny and Humans, a second in humans title. It's going to focus on Black Bolt. And uh, I put up a, a story yesterday that Alex hated the title <laughs> of. I just called it Axis Tracking the Fallout, where I kind of went through some of the characters who are most affected by Axis. You thought it should be called Axis Aftermath, Aftermath, which we then Googled and saw that 18 other sites had used it, and that's why I didn't use it. So yeah. that's a lesson in headline writing for you. If only we got to it first. We would not have gotten to it first because I'm sure it was used weeks ago, and also you don't want to use something that everyone else is going to use if, yeah. you, if you do get it to you it You want to be original, but it sounded cool. <laughs> All right, let's go to Mark and Patrick. Enough of this. Uh, guys, take it away. Hello there. This week in Marvelites, this is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Stromy. Kicking things off, let's kick it off in the world of uh, the uh, the world of film. Let's talk about the fact that we had a new trailer for Avengers: Age of Ultron drop this week during the uh, National College Footingball Playoff Championships. Patrick and I Der don't. I thought it was a derby. Yeah, Patrick and I don't know more much about sports but thankfully we don't have to know anything about sports to know that the new trailer was awesome and i would say that trailer was a slam dunk yeah i'm I guess sure that's a football reference yeah. i should have gone with a football reference yeah touchdown maybe yeah that yeah. also signifies an accomplishment yes yes okay uh it was a punt in one as they say in footing ball as they are always saying Yes, we got tons more Hulkbuster action, tons more Ultron, lots of Ultron drones flying around, a little bit of uh, Captain America going toe to metallic toe with, uh, with Ultron. You, he might be wearing steel-toed boots, that Captain America, so it might be metallic toe to metallic toe. That's true. That could be it. That could be it. If he's smart, he'd be wearing me metallic steel-toed Boots, you know. <laughs> issued and, by Metallica. Issued by Metallica. Metallica and, issued steel-toed Captain America boots. And Captain America, you know, he's pretty smart, so he may just be doing that. But, yep, yeah, you can check all that out, of course, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash marvel, on marvel.com, and, well, pretty much the entire internet at this point. Yeah, I think actually. that's, yeah. I think if you hit Control-F on Google and type in Avengers trailer, Every website will show up. I don't even think you need to do that. I think you just need to click open your internet and it's there. I think we took over the internet. Oh, boy. Yep, yep. We Good job, us. Internet. And in other news, of course, we had some new photos from Ant-Man. Some new photos. That's right. We had some new photos featuring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas. We had some behind-the-scenes pics uh, featuring director Peyton Reed chatting with our boy Paul Rudd. So you can check those out. Uh, some really good looks at the ant suit, Ant-Man suit, rather. Because it's not called the ant suit. No, it's called the Ant-Man suit. Right, it's not made out of ants. Patrick, please... It's also not a suit that belongs to your ant. Please remember that. Please remember the names of our heroes, if you could. Sure. Yeah, okay. I Thanks. got it. Okay. 
Speaking of remembering names of heroes, you also get to see some concept artwork of Yellow Jacket. Who is not a hero. Oh, God. You got me <laughs> on the technicality. The he is the villain in the movie, Patrick, but good job. He's a real bad boy. What can I say? I think every bad boy has a heroic streak. Sure. We'll go with that. Why not? Yeah. All right. Jumping over into the world of television. Marvel's Agent Carter. Of course, we had an all-new episode this week. We showed you some clips, some exclusive images. Uh, we had a new episode of This Week in Marvel's Agent Carter in which I talked with Eric Pearson, who wrote the second episode. Uh, we did a really great, I think, uh, commentary track to, that sounds weird when I like congratulate myself, like I did a really good job on this one, but I am particularly As proud. As someone who works with you, no, it's not too weird to hear you congratulate <laughs> yourself on no, a job well done. But, but I'm particularly proud of this one. Me and Eric sat down and uh, we did a commentary track to the second episode and he gave some really great behind the scenes tidbits. Uh, he told a really great, slightly off-color joke that you will have to... Well, not he didn't, but he uh, recounted uh, an off-color joke that two actors told during the filming that did not make it on air. Oh what boy. was that joke? You'll have to tune in and listen in to This Week in Marvel's Agent Carter to find out. Um, yeah, we had some interviews that Patrick put together. Who did we talk to? We talked with Enver Jokai. Did you, did you say that name because you didn't trust me to be able to say Enver Jokai? Yeah, a correctly. little bit. A little bit. I've, been ty I've typed that name at least 40 times today. Typing it and saying it correctly, the, the, the one has nothing to do with the other. Well, no, I was just going to type it into Siri and have Siri... Oh, okay. I understand now. But I was going to lead into it by talking like Siri, so that way the transition would have been seamless and uh -huh. the listener would have had no idea. Oh, and they would have no idea. Anyways, yeah, we posted an interview with Enver Jokai, uh, who plays Daniel Sousa? Sousa? Yep. Sousa. Sousa? At least he got Jokai right. Yeah, that's way more important. And, uh, he plays Daniel Sousa on Marvel's Agent Carter. Also, we posted an interview with Shay Wiggum, who plays Chief Dooley on Marvel's Agent Carter. So you can check both of those out on Marvel.com. Yep, and we do not have a new episode this upcoming Tuesday because it is the State of the Union address. Who? The state, uh, I don't know, some guy named... Is that another sports thing? Yeah, it's, it's a sports thing. The sports announcer named Obama, he gets up there and he, he, he does familiar. a... Yeah. He sounds very familiar. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little thing. I don't know. It just happens every now and then. But we've got the State of the Union next Tuesday, so no new episode of Marvel's Agent Carter. We'll be back the week after that, uh, Tuesday, January 27th, with a new episode that features the return of Dominic Cooper's Howard Stark as well as a special guest appearance by Stan Lee. Who's that? Speaking of which, you can get a first look at Stan Lee's cameo on Marvel.com. We posted a couple photos from uh, that episode uh, just the other day. So check all that out. And I will be at the uh, TCAs, the Television Critics Association's uh, association. They put on these events uh, semi-annually, and I will be there this week chatting with some of the stars of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel's Agent Carter. We'll have those interviews coming up for you. And also in the world of television, this broke actually last week, but we didn't mention it. 
uh, because I think it broke either on Thursday or Friday, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has cast Edward James Olmos. Uh, not much I can tell you about his role other than he will be uh, very important. Will he be reprising his role from Battleship Galaxy? I'm going to say yes because Battleship Galaxy isn't a real show. All right. So... I guess he could have played this character in a imaginary show called Battleship Galaxy that is in your head. Very nice. Okay. Do we have any new animation this week, Patrick? Do we have any new new animation? Well, returning this Sunday at 8 a.m. on Disney XD, we will have the return of Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Uh, in this episode, the Hulk's... I believe it's entitled Homecoming, that the Hulks return home to Vista Verde and realize that someone new is in charge of the town. I don't want to spoil who's in charge of that town because you really just have to tune in to see who's in charge. Uh, also, keep your eyes on Marvel.com because we'll po be posting a clip from that episode this week. That will probably include the guy who's in charge. Ooh, so. Strom gives you a little hint that it's a guy. So there you go. He's, he's really just trying to entice you into seeing which guy it could possibly be. You're being pretty abominable right now. Ooh, wait, Obama? No, Obama. The State of the Union Ob guy? No, abominable. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess technically Vista Verde is part of the United States, so Obama is in charge of Vista Verde, but I'm thinking more specific, Mark. I I, Anyways. You're an, yeah. you're an abomination. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Anyways, we have that new episode. Uh, we'll also have next week, Marvel's Avengers Assemble will be returning, uh, but we'll talk more about that next week. All right, well, you've listened to us for far too long at this point. We wholly apologize, and by we wholly apologize, I mean I apologize for Patrick. But thank you all for listening. We will be back with you in seven more days. Until then, I wish you a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous -er week, and as always, remember to drink your Ovaltine. Surprise! It's not, it's not a surprise. What? I talked about it extensively. S surprise! Yeah. Agent M is here. Welcome back to uh, episode 168 of This Week in Marvel, and welcome back... Wait, wait. You kept going with the podcast and numbering them while I wasn't here? Or it was just supposed Unacceptable. to Unacceptable. It should have just been like 166.1, 166.2, and then we picked back up. Point now... We've got numbering yeah. system in place for this Point kind of eventuality. You remember that one? <laughs> oh, I do. Um, welcome back, Ryan Panagos. Thank what you. A, what a world tour you have been on oh, since my last you graced the airways. Yeah, I went to France, Canada, uh, so right Mexico. Epcot. Yeah, I went yeah. to Epcot. Uh, and it was terrific. Got that one right off the yep. bat. Uh, a couple days in Louisiana, visiting family in Baton Rouge. Couple days in Disney World. I ran a half marathon, mm -hmm. the first one I've ever done. Big congratulations for that. Thank you. you. Finished it. I finished it, That's and then immediately got sick. Yeah. Uh, my wife was saying that the immune system drops down after you run a very long yeah. distance, and if you're fighting something, which yeah. being at theme parks and uh, a lot of traveling, lot of germs around there. Uh, was fighting it and I lost. Feels like something she could have brought to your attention before the race. But I don't know if there's anything I could have done to combat. No, that's it. true. I mean, it's not like you're going to not run. I know. We had to wake up at 2:45 a.m. We didn't start running until 6:45 a.m. Say limber. 
and it was cold. Oh my god! It was yeah. Florida? At, well, yeah, it I mean, was it like gets cold there. I'm forty-five at you know three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was freezing up here. No, I literally well, freezing. My pipes froze. Wow! I had to get them. That's You're a homeowner now. Yeah, no, two weeks in a row. My heating broke one week when I, I've been. I, I, this is the first Thursday in three weeks I've been in the office because two weeks ago was after New Year's and my heating broke when I was at home. And then last week I was off for something else and my pipes froze when nice. I was at home. So, yes, homeownership. Fantastic. Yes, big takeaway is you're back. Yeah. Had an exciting adventure. Yeah. Not traveling for a little while? I hope not. We'll I really see. don't want to go anywhere. We'll see. Um, I'm sure you didn't talk wrestling while uh, I was no, gone. No, I did not talk wrestling with Alex Lopez or Lorraine. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I think I tried to with Lorraine two weeks ago. Um, and it was it went better than expected, which oh. was not that well. <laughs> Did you watch Wrestle Kingdom Nine? I had not watched Wrestle Kingdom Nine. You yet. need to watch it. So you've already watched it. Watch if if you have four free hours because mm-hmm. it's a big show. Yeah, it is the one of the best. Rest- it's like up there with uh, Final Battle. Okay. So I got to check that out. I, I did not watch Wrestle Kingdom. I will say, coming on Tuesday, I did talk to Jim Ross. Yeah. We'll have that up on Tuesday. So very exciting. I talked to him about Wrestle Kingdom. Um, he went on for a good 10 minutes about how Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the best wrestlers he's seen in years and how WWE should sign him and put Paul Heyman with him and make him their top heel. I don't need, I think Nakamura can succeed without a talker. Really? Yeah, because he's that well, we've charismatic. Seen him we, he was we, good. Uh, but you just, yeah. Like, I, I'll be honest, Wrestle Kingdom 9 was better because of Jim Ross Mm -hmm. and Matt Stryker. They were fantastic. But I would have enjoyed the show and the performances of Nakamura and Tanahashi and Okada um, and, like, the the Young Bucks and Red Dragon and just so many amazing guys. Although it was weird to see Jeff Jarrett in the Bullet Club. (laughs) I was like, really? Okay, whatever. You know, but it was... It's a hell of a show. Those last two matches, that's like the last hour of the show. Yeah. Just, I I was yelling. Yeah. I was so excited. Wow. And Ross and Stryker put over the matches yep. so well, like, it's worth the, the couple bucks. Here's another sneak peek at, at next week's podcast. As you can hear Jim Ross talk about how um, he will never complain about being overproduced again. <laughs> because he said literally they did not count him down into the show. So the show started and he was not aware. That's amazing. So they had to just kind of pick up. And he said every time he went to a video package, they didn't let him know. He said he had no communication with the truck whatsoever. Yeah. It's also a different – it's a totally different experience because, mm-hmm. like, there's there's no yeah, way – like, bang, they go bang, from bang. match to match with, like, 20 – there was there were maybe two video packages, three maybe, in the whole show. Yeah. And there were, like, eight matches or whatever it was. I check it out. It's like it's my white whale right now. It's as so far good. as shows I haven't watched. I've been watching old ECW and WCW on the network. Nice. I am actually almost done with ECW. Like I've almost watched every ECW pay per view. Very I'm good. At November to November two thousand, and I am in. Who's champion at that time? Carino. Carino is about to win it right now. Jerry Lynn just won it from Just Incredible. Pretty great match. No, they were putting on some um, phenomenal matches. And over on WCW side, I'm in nineteen ninety. And I'm watching my Best of Sting DVD collection, which is I highly recommend it because this is how they're going to do DVD sets coming forward where it's all matches that you can't find on the network. So it's really cool, obscure That's stuff. the way to do it. It's really neat. Smart. Very really, smart. Really, really neat. Yeah. Um, I spent yesterday uh, sick reading <laughs> comics, and I watched 
three episodes of Lucha Underground. Oh, nice. Uh, caught up on that. Phenomenal. That is, again, yeah. something everyone should be watching if you like wrestling. Now, the rumors are JR is going to end up there. I, oh, my God. Yeah. Vampiro, probably a nice fellow. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't maybe, maybe. Who know, whatever. We don't Stryker know is great. Stryker. I want him on every program. Yeah. But if I could have Jr. call on that, yeah, it would be amazing. Uh, I will say to flip back to WWE for a sec on the matter of commentary. So Booker T has replaced Jerry Lawler on Raw. I, I watched a little, and the it's justified if nothing else by I forget what the context was, but I remember the quote of him saying on Monday at some point he goes on Gilligan's Island everybody died. <laughs> It was something about being like an, on an island unto yourself, and then he responded with, uh, look what happened on Gilligan's Island. No one came to get him, and everybody died. Amazing. <laughs> if that's what we have to look forward to, then I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. Uh, we spent a night down when we were in Orlando. I hope it's with Booker T. No. That was That'd be great. Uh, with Corey Graves oh, and nice. uh, Sean Bennett, who's one of the refs down there. Yep. Um, and it was just great. It was like talking shop. and. Yep. They love the business so much. And I, it was like, at one point, I was like, if we're talking, like Elizabeth and I, if we're talking too much about wrestling, yeah. we're like, no. Like, no, this we, is what we talk about. This is what we talk about. It's awesome. great. Corey Graves doing a great job. Yeah. He's, 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 he's learning. He's transitioned like, very well. Um, it was cool because he was saying how he's like, he's still learning that craft mm-hmm, from various people in the company. And it's, yeah. it's, it's great. Oh, he's doing a great job so far. I'm sure he'll get even better. Uh, I have to play, I'm going to play 2K15 for the first time this weekend. Nice. I think I've said that for the last three weekends. Yep. Well, because I was, I was actually talking to our, our boy Chris DeLando the other day about how I have it, but it's the type of game where I don't want to just be like, oh, it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. I guess I'll play this for an hour before I go to bed. Like, I want to have, like, a day to dig into it. Yeah, you need um, to. Like, I've been playing, like, you know, like Madden and stuff like that, but I can do that for an hour. I don't care. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to dig into it this weekend, and I, Corey Graves is playable. So yeah. I will, I will shout out. I'll make you and him a tag team. Yeah. Because um, you and I were not a successful tag team in 14. So, you know, maybe we, we would just we'll be allies. <laughs> but we, we were getting no shots. That's fair. No shots. I think my um, realistic weight frame held us down <laughs> because I was a solid <laughs> 140 pounds. And also, since uh, last year, I've lost weight because of, of my Crohn's disease. So I'm down at like 135. Oh, my right goodness. Now, so I will never win anything. Nope. Yeah, I'm holding you back. Nope, nope, nope. I was going to say I was an anchor, but I'm the lightest anchor ever. <laughs> um, so before we get into this week in Marvel Reading Club, obviously, you know, we're having some fun here because I haven't seen mine in like two weeks. Um, Blake Garris, our erstwhile producer, did want me to note that there are some technical difficulties going on with iTunes, with Zune. Some episodes are disappearing. He is aware of it. He is working with people to fix it. By the time this goes up, it will probably not be fixed, but... You don't need to let him know. He knows what's going on. He's doing everything he can. We're going to get it resolved as soon as we can. Yeah, I was on an email with him, and mm-hmm. um, the development team here is looking into it to try to fast-track it. So yeah. hopefully we'll get it resolved soon. And one last thing, because uh, I think Mark and Patrick recorded their thing yesterday, so they wouldn't be able to talk about the thing that happened this morning, which was got nominated for some Academy Awards. Yeah. Three. Three. First of all, we're in uh, Best Visual Effects. We're competing against each other. Yep. Uh, it's Captain America against Guardians of the Galaxy and some other movies. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I was just listening to hear who was nominated, and they were live streaming it, and it was like eight minutes long, and they were oh, talking man. super fast. Uh, and then Guardians also got up for Best Hair and Makeup, and the president of the Academy uh, seemed like a very nice woman, but 
mispronounced some guy's name who worked on something. His last name she mispronounces Poop. Oh. And I don't know what his actual name was because the entire crowd was laughing afterwards, and I feel <laughs> so bad for that guy. Was it a mispronunciation? Or yeah, because she poop? corrected herself, but as she's correcting herself, you can't hear her correction uh, because everyone's laughing. Um, fantastic. Felt bad for him. The magic hope, of TV. I hope he wins. I do. Just so his name can be said correctly the night of. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So, what's this thing we're talking about? We're talking about Amazing Spider-Man, uh, the... Round Robin. Round Robin, the sidekick's revenge. Long title. Yeah. It's a random six-issue arc. Very random. From Amazing Spider-Man. The reason I chose it for Reading Club was I very distinctly remember where I bought these comics. It was at a video store. Uh, All right. little little history lesson. Back when we were young, there were stores that let you rent videotapes. That's true. In person, yeah. and they also had other things. The play, one of the places I went to had comics. Yep. I remember buying Punisher War this is Zone. The mom and pop store. Yep. Because I remember distinctly, like there was the mom and pop stores. Then they all got take out, taken out by Blockbuster, yep. and Blockbuster got taken out by you know Netflix today. and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by, by, by the future, by the current. Um, yes. But yeah, so it was mom and pop store. Yep. They had a great horror movie section, but mm-hmm. they had a comic book section. Section. It wasn't super robust, but I very distinctly remember buying Punisher Warzone there and buying the issues of this storyline, the Round Robin Sidekicks Revenge, just because I was like, look at those covers. It's got all Amazing. these great heroes on it. Yeah, Spider-Man. they knew what they were doing yeah. in terms of marketing this. Totally. As a kid, I was in Hook, Line, and Sinker. I had yep. no idea who Midnight was. I really didn't know Moon Knight that well, but well, Spider-Man, Punisher, yeah. uh, and Darkhawk, I think, were the ones that really brought me in well the thing they did smartly on the covers is yeah no one really knows who midnight is and we'll talk about that is the covers are all just heroes yeah it's just packing heroes and it's a nice combination of ooh, i know who this i know who spider-man is but who's moon knight i want to so it's both like i want to read about that guy because i like him but i also want to read about that guy because i have no idea who he is yeah it's a good con like night thrashers in there yeah yeah night thrasher i knew a little bit about the the new warriors yeah so it's like Brilliant, right off the bat, whoever was was doing covers, well, I mean, Bagley was doing them, but whoever yeah. was, I don't even know who edited these Like books. art directing and yeah. stuff. And I would, like, Smart. the last issue has the triple gatefold cover, mm. uh, which is just, yeah, that was like, oh, look at that. It's got to be super cool and special. Yeah. And it's interesting also, uh, it, historically, because it's it ends, th- like, three issues before Carnage is introduced, yeah. right before a, a great cardiac storyline. Yeah. Which we love. Well, the weird thing is, we were talking about, when we first said this, we thought David Michelini, right? Because yeah. this was like the David Michelini yeah. era, but this must have been a fill-in. It was Al Milgram writes yeah. it. Yeah. And, and at the end of the last part, uh, it even says, and Michelini's back. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, it was one of those deals where I remember every summer, I think it was summer, Spider-Man would go bi-weekly, and there would be like a six-part story on Because I remember when they did the Spider-Slayers one, um, which was right after his parents came back. And so I think, yeah, they would just have these kind of like... Rapid fire, six issues came out over three months, June, July, August. And so I guess Michelini just took the summer off to get ready for. And he was writing like a million books at the time. Yeah. So yeah, Al Milgram fills in. Yeah. And so this is also towards the, the middle end of 1991. Um, so we'd, we'd have Infinity Gauntlet having yeah. just happened. What's going on in Spider Man, Spider Man? Uh, it wouldn't have would it would it have launched at this point or was it ninety two that it launched? I thought it launched in ninety. Did it? Maybe. Yeah. I don't so know. Last year been... was the seventh anniversary. I already forgot everything. Yeah. 
But I mean, it's so you have all the big X launches and mm-hmm. the Spider-Man launch happening, sort of, you know, overshadowing so many things yeah. that uh, you could get storylines like this, which pack a whole bunch of heroes in and do all this fun stuff. Uh, you wouldn't even notice it if you, yeah. you know, didn't get spotlighted to it. The thing about this story that jumps out at me, I, the gist of it to kind of give the overview is that Midnight, who was Moon Knight's old sidekick, uh, is working with the Secret Empire, longtime kind of third-rate AIM Hydra-type organization in the Marvel Universe. They have made him into an unstoppable cyborg, and their whole plan is they want to create more of him, and they want to recruit heroes to potentially do that to them. So Midnight goes out to try to wreak havoc, and in the process, Spider-Man, Darkhawk, Punisher, Nova, Night Thrasher all end up, for various reasons, going after him and going after the Secret Empire. It's just a big team-up. Yeah, I I like it because it just it sort of happens and it it makes sense in the context mm-hmm. of the Marvel universe, especially at that time. It's like, oh, Darkhawk is like, whoa, oh, like yeah. floating around. He's like, I'm gonna get involved. Spider Man's already fighting the guy. Just like then, swings by. Yeah. He's like, oh shoot. Yeah. And then Punisher straight up murders a dude in the alleyway, and then is like, oh look at these jokers. I'm gonna yeah. go over there and wait. I, I mean, the thing that jumped out to me most reading this now, the context was. Moon Knight is totally even-keeled. Yep. Nothing like the guy we know nope. today. Just like Joe Avenger. Um, a you know, saucy lover, too. There's, <laughs> did you get, yes. there's a scene where, where he and Marlene, yeah. uh, he carries her off and they he, talk about getting it. But he, like, just like, everyone's so cordial with each other. Yeah. It's so 90s, like, before all the angst where everyone got along in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Like, Spider-Man literally just has this issue, goes to Captain America, Captain America helps him call Moon Knight, and Moon's like, what, what seems to be the problem, Spider-Man? Hello, How Charles? can I help you? Even the Punisher, who is insane, an insane murderer, like, Spider-Man a couple times goes like, uh, you know, when all this is over, we're, we're going to have a come up and Yeah, we're going to talk. But they're super tolerant of it, and Punisher's like, cool, just jumping on Moon Knight's ship and going yeah. off and doing it with these guys. It's very... And they're like, you're not feeling yeah. well. Yeah. You're injured. You yeah. Just take a rest. That was hang crazy. Out. And he agrees. And he's, he's like, like yeah. Okay. He goes, he's like, you're right. That makes tactical sense. Yeah. He just hangs out with Frenchie. Um, so it was a little jarring, but kind of cool to remember that this is how the Marvel Universe used to be. Yeah. Everyone was friends. And then, but on the flip side, Night Thrasher, Night Thrasher is, hates everyone. He just wants, like, you just feel like he's going to punch yeah. everyone in the face. He's Night so Thr- angry. Night Thrasher was like the most current character in this because I was like, oh yeah, that's how heroes act now when they see each other. Like, that's how I would expect. Yeah. It was actually kind of Silver Agey um, in the sense that it was very much just like a lot of it's just like high concept, throw as many characters as we can together and, um, you know, kind of use the shared universe concept. Like, it kind of felt like a throwback to me in a good way. Yeah. Uh, there was another line, like the Bat, the calm before the storm where Peter's home uh, with uh, MJ he comes back and like she's all like you know tired and then yep. he's the, there's all this like sex talk that they skirt around but there's talk. one point where he's like you weren't complaining when I used the spider powers and she's like shut up yep. and then Muna's like well you better turn off your communicator and I, yeah. I was like wow I never caught that as a kid yeah yeah there's things you notice when you go back to the adult also Mary Jane like I get why <laughs> the relationship maybe didn't quite work out because he's 
he's pretty terrible. Yeah, he, he is. just like he's like, hey, I gotta go off. Stay here and keep Aunt May company. I'll be back when I'm back. Yeah. Hey, you just made dinner. Great. I'll make dinner sometime. Oh, whoops. Gonna go out and swing out of Spider-Man. Or even, and he even says he's like, you're the one who's working full time, but you are also cooking, and I'm ignoring you completely. And that he comes back after, so she's been without May. He's been out off fighting. Yep. He gets in a, like a super bummed out mood. Mm-hmm. Comes back and doesn't want to talk. And she's like, "Oh I, well, I just hold his hand." And, yeah, and seriously, like, she's the most she, understanding. She like, is amazing. Understanding to the point of like, like girl, you should get out of there. Yeah, like this is a bad relationship. Totally, for you you, well, you deserve better. Did you notice Aunt May is a huge wrestling fan yeah, in the of beginning? Of course, a bunch of people mentioned. Oh, it. I love we, it. I mean, we have nine pages of comments we need to get to. Which people blows me away. Story. There are stories that are like hugely celebrated yeah. that we've chosen that like two people well, commented here's the on. Well, Maybe it's that people have said all they need to say about you know Civil War, which I don't think we've ever done. We haven't done um, yet. But something like that, whereas people have been like, oh, I've been waiting years to talk about Round Robin and Sidekicks Revenge, or moreover, no one has read this. So whereas you might skip. Um, Planet Hulk, which we also haven't done, um, <laughs> because you've already read it. This is the one that everyone read and commented on. Nice. Well, That's yeah, cool. yeah. Um, it was fun. It was a different kind of pick. Good, and I uh, wanted to ask you the box. where. So, what was Bagley? Yes. So Bagley. I thought about that. He's uh, fresh off New Warriors here. Okay. Um, just I was I was trying to figure it out myself, and I didn't like use a computer or anything. I was like just going off. Nova's costume, his relationship with Night Thrasher. I'm, like, figuring out where it is. So one of two things are going on. Bagley is either doing both at the same time, uh, which I think he did for a little bit. Like, he transitioned off of New York. He was, a- like he was able to do two monthly books, and this, of course, biweekly. And he's still so yeah, good. He's still amazing. It's insane. Or he literally just left New Warriors, and this is his one of his first uh, Spider-Man arcs because Nova... Between getting back in that costume and Night Thrasher still being on the team, there's not a huge window there. So yeah. it was a very specific period. Honestly, I think he was doing both at once. Most likely, he was he was doing both both books at the same time. He's amazing. We'll have to look. He's back a machine. And, and yeah, we're gonna have to look back and. Uh, Kudos to him. Yeah. Um, all right, let's dive right into it. Agent Twim says the Secret Empire did pretty well at staying secret. I've never heard of yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were. What was their recent? They showed up in the last Recently, Daredevil. Uh, they were in Daredevil. Daredevil, yeah. Briefly, yeah. But yeah, still, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're. You understand, pecking order wise, they're oh, yeah. so far beneath the other. Or the only one beneath them are the ones with the French name, who I don't even remember. Remember when Daredevil was doing the thing? We had all the organizations. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was like AIM, Hydra, Se- like Secret Empire is a solid number three. They fought Captain America a lot in the seventies. I, I'm gonna go to limb and say they they were created by Steve Englehart, maybe. Uh, yes, yeah, I believe so. Because I think wasn't the whole the the, the uh, president yeah, stuff. The president thing that was like the definitive yeah. secret empire yep, story. Yep. But yeah, not a lot of use since then. No. Uh, Agent Although apparently they were fighting Moon Knight all the time because yeah. every footnote here is for like an issue of Moon Knight. So many, so many footnotes. In yeah, this. so many. I miss them. Agent Trump says, "I love Darkhawk. I was so happy to see him mentioned." Very good. And this is early on in Darkhawk's career yeah. too like he's, he's he can't be more than six issues into yeah. his own series because he just met spider-man and that was in like the second or third issue of yeah. this book i love that the punisher not only punishes mm. crimes but also double negatives that was amazing smashing faces into walls is what bad grammar deserves punisher was very excuse it punny in this one oh like, he's my actually goodness. cracking wise and he's like he's like grinning at times yeah. well like sadistically grinning, yeah. but still grinning nonetheless yeah 
Uh, he says, apparently, I wasn't as big a fan of Darkhawk as I thought. I didn't know he used the Dark Force. He actually does not, um, because this is I'm, I'm I'm this era is like me at my nerdiest, which of course you know <laughs> I know a lot of stuff from a lot of stuff, but this era and these characters um, in the Forces of Darkness, Forces of Light storyline in New Warriors, they're fighting. Uh, Darkling, who is a villain who is powered by the Dark Force, sure, and he possesses all the guys. So it's basically a big like every every character is involved. The Dark Force gets involved, and Darkhawk is one of the guys working with the New Warriors. And he goes, "Man, I should really rename my Dark Force Blast because I don't want it be, to be connected with all of this." So it's just what he named it. All right. It's just Chris Powell thought this was a cool name. Yeah, That's and later on, the actual Dark Force. Later on, we find out the cosmic origins mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah. Uh, so, but cool. no, you knew as much about Darkhawk as you thought. Yeah. Twim says, just seeing all these names together makes me so excited. Mm-hmm. Nova, Night Thrasher, Darkhawk, Punisher, Spider-Man, and Moon Knight? And he says, Punny Bunny is the best Punisher nickname ever. Probably. Spider-Man used that, right? Yeah. Right. He says, does that guy look like a guardsman? And he points to a picture of the, uh, the, Seekers. the Seekers. I I was like, who are these <laughs> jokers? It's Chain and yeah. Sonic and the other guy. It was also totally like classic 90s where they just like all introduced themselves. Like, this oh, is my yeah. name in case Both you didn't times. know. Both times. Yep. Um, and I like that's probably my favorite footnote of the whole thing is that Danny Fingeroth is editing this and he says he he notes where they showed up and says, by the way, I wrote those issues. <laughs> like awesome footnoting. He's like, uh, Al, maybe you want to put these guys yeah, in the book? Seriously, like very heavy handed suggestion. Oh, I love it. Uh, I think nope, more from uh, Agent Tommy says, I wonder if Moon Knight's flyer is related to Zee Leeper. Frenchie. Uh, Frenchie, no, not Se- all Frenchmen are not related. No, but he is the second most offensive French stereotype in Marvel Comics history. That's fair. But still great. Yeah. He says, Deathlock, Death's Head, and Midnight all came out around the same time, didn't they? How many more are there? Well, so many. Death's Head 2 yeah, Death's would have been around then. Deathlock was actually Death a couple Lock years. Deathlock 2. Right, Deathlock. Michael two. Collins. Right, but the first Deathlock was a couple years oh, he was before. Like he was in the 70s. 80s. 70s? Oh, yeah, he was way There back. you go, yeah. Uh, and Midnight, I don't know the original... But like the the versions, the '90s versions of those yeah. three characters definitely happen. The, the point, the made, I guess, he's yeah, he's saying a lot of cyborgs. The point being made, yes, there are a lot of cyborgs in the '90s. Oh yeah, you could not throw a stick without yeah, the X, a cyborg. X Men yeah. dealt with a lot of cyborgs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they were everywhere. He says, "Random shot in the dark. Mystique is the nurse, and number seven is another hero villain undercover." You're thinking too hard about this. I don't like the width and roundness of Spidey's spider se- uh, Spider-Man spider sense in these. Yeah. It gives a more psychic feeling than a painful warning. Interesting. Hmm. Never heard that before. No. There you go. He says, I'm assuming number seven is a dead nobody now that Frank is on their ship. Offhand, oh, Punisher. You strike again. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He's totally. Uh, he says, Rhodey would make for a much more interesting Darkhawk. I, mm. I don't know why. Yeah, Darkhawk was yeah. great. He says, I guess it actually makes sense that they would be more afraid of a cyborg face than a monster face yes. in reference to the nurse. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I was like, I had forgotten all about that. And mm-hmm. I was like, why are they so entranced? And then, yeah, when she rips off her face, it's though, freaky. that it's was messed up. Character. I was like, whoa. And then Midnight is a jerk, though. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah, you're like, hideous. <laughs> she looks very yeah, similar this is to you, bro. for you. I mean, Do you remember when they came back? No. In the Finch. Uh, Houston Midnight uh, Moon Knight series. No, I don't. I remember. had to look it up because I wasn't sure I remembered it. The second arc of uh, the one I don't know if I think I think Houston was still writing, um, but definitely Finch was still drawing. Is a Midnight story where Midnight comes back. It's like during the Civil War times and everything. And I remember that Midnight was in it, but I was like, I 
think this nurse is in it wow. too. So I looked it back up. They both come back. I don't think she's even referred to by name, but basically it's a cyborg in a nurse's outfit. So I think like it's kind of crazy, like Houston Red round robin and was like, oh man, those characters are too good to pass up. Agreed. Yeah, so you should check that out. Yeah. The other midnight story. Yeah. Uh, final two from Agent Twimmy says, so I've genuinely enjoyed reading this story. It was really good, but not as epic as I had hoped for having all these names in one book. I like the ending quite a bit. It turns out the story was actually a romance yeah. story all along. Beautiful love story. I, I get the not as epic thing just in the sense that you have all these characters, but it is kind of a none of them are big cosmic level, none of them are Thor, no. so they're dealing with a problem that the six of them could deal with. But it, yeah, it feels yeah. epic for who they are. Exactly, exactly. Um, unrelated to this, but labeled to me RC, sneaky, biting my tongue, says, I haven't been following Axis super closely, does Herc make an appearance? I need more Prince of Power. No, Hercules does not make an appearance in Axis or in Round Robin, the sidekick's revenge, which is what we're discussing this week. He would have been a fun addition to Round Robin. Oh yeah, he was right. He was around Avengers time. Yeah, he was wearing his his yep. bomber jacket. Yep, yep. Probably unshaven and yeah. all that. Daniel Willis says, "Started reading comics last month. Looking through my uncle's old comics at Christmas. I saw these issues. Just got unlimited a couple days ago. I'm stoked to finally give Tumi RC a go after listening to the podcast for a while." Daniel, that is amazing news on every front. That's pretty cool. You've been started reading comics this month, but you've been listening to this podcast for a I while. I thank you I for really that. Appreciate that. That's yeah, cool. that's amazing. Never heard of Darkhawk before, but all the puns are making him an instant favorite. <laughs> also, the super cool suit. So now I want to read more about Darkhawk. I don't see a Darkhawk book on the Unlimited app. What other books does he appear in? Would it have been under War of Kings? Well, I mean, he didn't find the 90s Darkhawk series. Oh, but there's said. like, I mean, yeah. if you want to get a... Go to like, War of Kings, yeah. and Darkhawk is all over there. He has a few solo series. Yeah. But yeah, go under War of Kings. Those are the most recent Did CB write those? CB wrote the initial limited series, which is to say you could also find him find him in Loners, right. which is a book that CB wrote. Uh, Darkhawk was dormant for most of the 2000s and made yeah. a comeback only in the last few years, and now is kind of dormant again. Yeah, um, just waiting for someone character. to pick him back up again. He was in Avengers Arena, not much though. No, um, didn't he get killed? No, he made it out. He, it's he, that was a fake out. Right, but they killed him off very early on, and he disappeared, and you find out he's alive at the end. Sure, um, but. Aside from those that original Darkhawk series, I would say, yeah, check out the War of Kings stuff. That's probably the best recent Darkhawk stuff. And Loners. Loners is very good. Yeah. Uh, TJ Franco, who knew Frank Castle was such a strict grammatarian? Once again, referring to him uh, basically beating the crap out of this guy for using double negatives. I still can't get over that, that head smash into the wall. Oh, it's brutal. That probably would have killed him. I'm assuming, it, do we see him alive? At, no, we do, we talking. do. We do. The I'm, fact that... All right, let's look at it this way. Not only does he not die, he's still conscious because he yeah. can talk to... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I guess Punisher really pulled his uh, yeah, face probably. slam on that one. Uh, Gregory Peterson, uh, another aside, just discovered Mystery Men, 2011 series on Marvel Unlimited. You should tuck this one away for Tomb URC. Which Do one was Mystery Men? It's the one that Patrick Zercher drew. Um, it was about Pulp Heroes. Uh, David Liss wrote it. Okay. It was a while ago. We, it, yeah. It's worth the revisit. Yeah. Not bad. LJ Hollywood says, just read the first part of Round Robin for Twim URC. For me, only reading Slot Run, this is like vintage mm. Spidey. Loving vintage, the team-ups. Right. Totally. Cover to part three of Round Robin for Twim URC, that Parker Luck. Yeah, that's where yeah. He's, he's being crowded out of his own cover by Punisher, Night Thrasher, and Moon Knight. But see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, that was like, yes, yeah, I will course. buy this. Here, take my money. Yeah, exactly. Who are these guys? Or I love... Yeah, putting Punisher front and center, because you probably know who Punisher is. But 
less likely you know who Night Thrasher and Moon Knight are. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. He says, I kind of get a Winter Soldier vibe off of Mo- uh, Midnight. Mm. Must be the cyborg man face mask look. No boot jets for Bucky, though. Jeff wins. So would we call Midnight like the, the proto Winter Soldier? Yeah. Is this what inspired Bucky <laughs> to become a Winter Soldier, former sidekick turned into cyborg? Oh. It is. That's a that's a listicle on I Marvel.com. Think, yeah, that's coming. I There'll think, be at least two entries. I think Brubaker was reading some uh, some <laughs> Round Robin. Obviously uh, inspired. And he says, best title to a comic story ever. It's up there. Uh, he points to, uh, that was part three or four, A Bagel with Nova. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. I, I looked at it because it's at the, they put the title at the end of the one of the issues, yep. like previewing, and I was like, what the hell are they talking it's, about? It's it's pretty clever. It's great. Um, more from who are we? Is it still LJ. Still LJ Hollywood. Yeah, this is still LJ Hollywood. Still you. I love seeing all the New York heroes teaming up in one book. Also, it gives Spidey so many puns. Shame Daredevil wasn't invited. Yeah, what I was what Daredevil around was. I, maybe maybe this was one of his many dark periods where he couldn't deal with anything because the Kingpin had ruined his life. Let's, yeah, let's uh, assume that. That happens. Let's assume that. And also, there are a ton more New York heroes oh, that yeah. could have shown up. Yeah, like street level guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Luke Cage and Iron Fist were kind of out of circulation at this point, but you definitely Well, no, like Luke's book was going at this time. Yeah, but he was, he was a fugitive because everyone thought he killed Iron Fist. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, the grand finale hit me with those terrific team-ups and paralyzing puns one last time. A lot of a lot of pictures here. The uh, showing the triple gatefold. Oh yeah. Showing a splash page. Uh, really great art. I mean, just yeah, incredible. those were great. Uh, and he says, so that's Round Robin. Loved the big brawl at the end and really enjoyed the story as a puntastic whole. Although it ended on a bum note, we get to see Jeff's stylish hair again, right? Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts. Yeah. All right, pack a lunch. It's time for Penelope Cat. Hey-o. Got a few pages. Here we go. The greatest bi-weekly saga of them all makes me smile at its specificity. <laughs> and it was. Yeah. It absolutely was. Of course, the Marvel Universe has a wrestler named the Incredible Hunk. Yeah, it did. A midnight, a midnight Stoke joke. I've fallen and I can't get up. Joke in the same panel. My chest aches from laughing. I, I, I that uh, fallen. I can't get up. Joke got me. That was pretty good. Yeah. Al Milgram, funny guy. Yeah, funny guy. Genuinely appreciate the Darkhawk background. That's a character who falls completely between periods of me reading Marvel. He was a, he had an interesting origin. Yeah, he had stuff going on. He was a kid. His dad was maybe a corrupt cop, but he didn't know. Like, that was was interesting stuff. Uh, Tim Stevens wrote a good article on Darkhawk and Sleepwalker during the 75th anniversary and about why, because of the period they were created, they maybe didn't get the recognition they deserved for being really, like, clever characters. Yeah, both of them. I mean, yeah, I wish we had more Sleepwalker to to go off of. Feel a bit better seeing Midnight Cult Darkhawk out on the stroke of Midnight pun. Which Moon Knight series was Jeff Wilde in? I don't remember him from the Monch Sienkiewicz series. I have no idea when Midnight is from. Yeah, so like he, it's it's not that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think there's it's, one after. I think it's between that and the one that was going on at the time this was going on. Maybe and or early in this one. Yeah, and he would have only been in it for a little while because his dad was midnight was before villain, him. Like, and like, yeah, I, I remember reading this, and besides the fact that I was like, what a weird, like, what a weird idea for a story to take yeah. this sidekick who I bar- I don't know and make him like the big villain. But yeah, I didn't know anything about yeah. midnight, and I still to this day know very little yep. about it. This issue features the chattiest Punisher I've ever seen. Oh, He's yeah. up there. Yeah, even when he debuted, he wasn't like this. Like no. this was this was a very distinct Punisher. Just read Moon Knight Epic Collection the other week, so I'm excited to read another story featuring him, hopefully. 
Getting a kick out of the credits each issue. Layouter, LOL. <laughs> they, they did that in the 90s a lot. The yeah. editors had a lot of fun with, you know, what the name of each guy was. Yeah, there was one that was funny where it was like, you know, talking about the speed with which they do things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, DeFalco was yeah. like, you know, not doing it. Slow. Really. Yeah. Uh, I think Al Milgram was writing Spectacular Spider-Man when I started reading, so this is kind of a homecoming for me. Nice. Cool. Al Milgram, of course, known for being a great inker. Yeah. A uh, legendary inker, but had some decent writing runs as well. Yeah. You know, here, he did West Coast Avengers for a bit. He did all sorts of stuff. Well, his, he's worked with, um, uh, what's his butt? The, uh, sure, sure. Uh, Mignola. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, a Talented dude. Amazing team right there. Talented dude. Yeah. I also remember when Mark Bagley won the Marvel tryout book competition. His art is good here, and he's only gotten better. Agreed. I admire Jeff Wilde's ambition. From Moon Knight's sidekick to hoping to run the Secret Empire is quite a career path. You know, kid knew what was up. He yeah. was ready. He, he was, was gonna. Very... He was reaching for that brass ring. Oh, yeah. He was definitely a uh, Cesaro type. Midnight is pretty proud of his quips. Is there, like, a quipping course or contest in the Marvel Universe? I feel like Spider-Man should start one. Yeah. Like, just so he can win something, and then he'd lose. He should teach that at the Jean Grey School. Yeah, or the Avengers Academy. Yeah. Is that still in operation? Sure. I think so. Let's go with yes. Um, I bet the Marvel Universe Twitter has, like, a hero fight quip or something. That was the whole tweet. Uh, (laughs) Enter the Seekers. Props to Badly for making a scene with this many characters readable. Yep. Got to pay for our new armor. Oh, the hard life of an armored supervillain. Why not just rob a bank? (laughs) This is big money, though. Yeah. This is is a guaranteed score. Uh, Interesting scene. Spidey draw parallels between the other heroes and himself. Yeah, because there was a lot of similarities and differences between all of them. Time for the classic superhero team-up Bickerfest. Lots of that in this one. Secret Empire's HQ is hidden behind a tailor's shop. Dude, they sublet from Uncle. Even in 1991, how many readers would have gotten Spidey's Lamont Cranston reference? That's one thing I'll call writers out on in the 90s, is if they were of an older generation, that would not stop them from scripting the characters to speak with references only they would get. I don't even know what that reference is. I think it was a guy who played the Shadow. They explained it. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. And like a serial play in like the 40s, which why would Spider-Man and the, But that? one of the other characters is like, I'm way too young to yeah. understand what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, and why would Spider-Man know that? Yeah. I don't know, maybe he's a fan. After Night Thrasher's bomb joke, I'm not sure if I'm reading a Punisher story or a, second time, Punisher story, waka waka. <laughs> a bagel with Nova. Oh, the contortions jumped through to sell that title, but it still made me laugh. That is a winner. Surprised but pleased that Milgram found time for some quiet moments in issue 357. Yeah, real quiet. Interested in the subtitle, The Sidekick's Revenge. How many Marvel sidekicks have there been compared to DC? Not as many. No. Because Stan hated sidekicks. Yeah. So a lot of the formative Marvel characters, you know, the main ones, do not have sidekicks because Stan Lee was very anti-kid sidekick. Yeah, I mean, Toro, who would have been really before yeah. Stan Bucky. had a heavier hand. Bucky and Toro. Yeah. Midnight. And that's all, you, that's all yeah. I can think of. And all the various teenage girls who have trained with Wolverine <laughs> could be maybe considered sidekicks. Sure. Uh, that was this was an interesting read. On one hand, it brings together a bunch of characters I like: Spider-Man, Moon Knight, Punisher. On the other hand, it's from a period where I wasn't reading many Marvel comics, so I don't have a personal or nostalgic collection. Ultimately, I think it was a fun, entertaining story with some nice art. I'm glad Twimmy RC pointed me in its direction. Another one for me. Congratulations. Uh, Racking them up. Repeater James says, Psychic's Revenge was the very first comic arc I collected as a kid from the grocery store. It holds up in a 90s kind of way. I'm with you 100%, James. Mm. RCS underscore T, Robert says, uh, 
three, the first issue, nice book, loved all the puns they dropped in, nice start to People a juicy love story. The puns. really worked. Very vivid coloring on the art style and crisp lines on the drawings really drew me into the scene. This was when uh, coloring and even inking was a very different art form. Yeah. It all by hand. It was not computerized yet. Yeah, and, you know, on the flip side, you had company like Valiant, mm-hmm. companies like Valiant and soon Image that were totally to changing that. it. Yep. Um, he said, why would Spidey put the tracker on midnight? And how did he not feel it attached? Well, Have you never read a Spider-Man yeah, story? He d- and it's it's like tinier than it probably yeah. is drawn, uh, like yeah. just for, you know, like sake of storytelling. No one ever feels the spider tracer go on. No. You just gotta, you just gotta go with it. He's smooth. Just go with it. Super smooth. Yeah. Uh, part two, he says, little confused when Spidey launches Darkhawk, how does opening his wings giving, give him a speed boost? It's comic book science. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I guess that wouldn't work. I, who cares? Uh, part three. <laughs> it works for me. Yeah. Part three says Spidey calls Punisher Punny Bunny and gets no reaction. What WWF wrestler would you like to call Punisher? I that? could instantly picture Hulk Hogan saying that. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Punny Bunny. Yeah, you know, there you right go. He uh, says, Does Punisher have any superpowers or just his access? Uh, just his skills and access to weapons. I've never read his books. Wow, Robert, yeah. never read a wow. Punisher book. Uh, Punisher's superpowers being the Punisher. Wow. Which is to say, yes, he has no superpowers, and he's just... I know what I'm picking for my next Twim URC. There you go. Yeah, we need a Punisher. We've never yeah. done a Punisher thing. Uh, where are we? Uh says, enjoy the shared origin stories. Does it take great tragedy to make a hero? I would argue no. It doesn't take it, but... It's part of, you know, what, stories. you know, especially our characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Motivation. Yeah. Good motivation. Uh, the fight scenes really stood out to me in this drawing color style. They really feel like action you might see. That's uh, Bagley. He says, hmm, didn't the spider tracer get smashed by midnight last issue? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. A picture here. Let's say they had a lot of ways to track. They had Nova's communicator. They had... Various things. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're just they're good. They they're fine. It. Okay. Uh, last one from Robert. He says, "Love seeing Dan's footnotes. Different names from nostalgic Dan to desultory Dan were fun. Are funny names common?" Oh yeah. Yeah. At this period, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, you know, every once in a while you'll see him here. Yeah. Like in the current crop. I like when you use him. All right, Squirrel Claws, who still has not changed his uh, name, obviously. It's Christmas forever for squirrels. <laughs> So far, we've had wrestling talk and Nova in an issue. I could put money on me, Ben Morris, loving this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we haven't talked about the because I, I thought we'd get into it. Yeah, Aunt May is a huge wrestling fan. I love it. And gets into it in the first issue, and then Nova shows up at the end. So good. And Nova's a key component. Everyone wants Nova. Heroes want him. Villains yeah. want him. He's in demand. Hot potato. Yeah. Why does the Secret Society have special membership rings telling people that you belong to them? Hmm, good question. Uh, because they want to show that they're super cool. Yeah, I think that was a key slip-up and maybe why the Secret Empire failed. <laughs> yeah, and those flying platforms are really secretive, too. Yeah, the Secret Empire... They have lots of flying yeah, platforms. Yeah, they did. Like, their budget for that was insane. Their budget they for everything. They knew they were going to crash a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, for, as we said, the number three group at best, they certainly had the money to build a lot of cool tech. It feels like a group that had a huge bankroll, yeah. like someone who was just like really rich and ambitious and wanted to do something as cool as like AIM or Hydra, yeah. but didn't really know what the hell they were doing. Yeah, it was like WCW. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jim Hurd is WCW. Yeah. So Nova is still captured, Midnight is on the loose, but Spidey and Mooney are off for some hanky-panky, not with each other. Hey. I read that issue. Max title. Yeah. Spider-Man Moon Knight. Ooh. Ooh, that's a nice bifold cover to issue 358. Was it bifold trifold. or trifold? Yeah. 
Do we ever hear any more from Mr. and Mrs. Midnight? I'm sure Ben Morse knows, and indeed, in the 2007, so 16 years after this, they come back in uh, the 2007 volume of Moon Knight. Nice. And it's a, it's a funny story. Yeah. Fun little story. Reading this has made me remember how much I love Darkhawk. A lot of renewed Darkhawk love coming out of this reading, which I'm very happy about. And I like it. Yeah. Stephen Barr says been reading uh, Amazing Spider-Man from the start, 1 through 297, mm. but we'll skip ahead oh, for wow. TwimURC to read Sidekick's Revenge. Thank you, sir. Yeah. We're not that far behind, luckily. No, and you're in a good... Oh, man. That's, 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 that's a, a sweet period. spot right there. Especially, he made it through some rough times, and <laughs> now, you're, now you're back. He says, first issue was fun. Time to try to read the rest of Sidekick's Revenge. Uh, issue 354 has the line again. With great power comes great responsibility. Love how this weaves into so many old stories. Yeah, I popped when he said that to Darkhawk. Yeah. Because it, it, it fit totally. Like, yeah. Darkhawk's a new hero. This is something he needs to know. Yeah. So this so is the wrestling angle why mm-hmm. Ben and uh, Ryan chose Sidekick's Revenge. Well, you chose it. Yes, so. 100%. Uh, Aunt May watching a cage match in three, mm. th- three and 4 is great. I like her description of it. I wish we had seen more. Yeah. She's like, oh, my God, when all those wrestlers shows like, oh, She says, 20 so guys in a cage. I, I was know. like, I want to see like, that. How did 20 guys get in a cage? That's not even... That sounds terrible, actually, because yeah. they wouldn't be able to do anything. War games, yeah. baby. Maybe it was a double cage. Ooh. That would have been cool. A triple cage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Some great titles in Amazing Spider-Man issues for this week's Twim URC. Such awesome 90s puns. Really, the puns in Darkhawk seem to be the big winners. I mean, they were. storyline. Maybe it's the new Warriors connection that got Ben excited for this one, seeing the other members in 357. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. This, was, this was when the new Warriors were hot. They were they were a hot commodity. An embarrassing lack of the mute <laughs> feature for Peter in issue 357. Yeah, love that. So many puns and such witty yep. repartee in 357 as both heroes and villains hurl one-liners. I mean, that's just the, that's the way it went. Good end to a fun story for Twim URC. Where do the Seekers turn up next? Are I have seekers? no idea. Where the Seekers showed up next. I plum forgot that they existed yep. until rereading. I am going to guess they showed up whatever in whatever other title Danny Fingeroth was editing. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the tech word says, so this week's from URC is also going to be our hashtag Drunk Pete, which is a thing that they do over at Horizon Labs. Uh, I'm still not quite sure what it is. But I think it endorses stuff we're not allowed to endorse. Yeah. So it's yeah. weird. He's got this cover. I think it's a different version yeah. of the cover because I think the cov- the background is white on ours. Maybe it's a second printing. Mm. Maybe this went to a second print. Ooh, I, don't oh, I don't know. It's a little over an hour until our twin URC inspired drunk Pete. Drunk Pete. Fun fact: Hulk Hogan actually licenses both his first and last name from Marvel. I guess that'd be Crusher Hogan. But he doesn't actually listen to his last yeah. name from Marvel. We don't own Crusher Hogan. Yeah. Um, question from the tech words is the same Dark Force cloak is made of. We just covered that a little while ago. The answer is no. And after an epic, four-hour epic drunk Pete and Twimmy RC, I'm calling it a night at 2 a.m. <laughs> and we've got a nice little picture. All right. Tom Tattersall is going to take us home, almost. Never heard of Thunderball before, and now he pops up twice in one week here and in Wolverine's number one, maybe it's Never fate. heard of Thunderball. I, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you brought him up because I... Maybe, yeah, that was an interesting part of the story. I love the fact that he's a giant muscle-bound mm-hmm. dude who has mystic, arm, like, mystic powers at times, yep. but is also a genius. Yeah. Also, uh, he's an African-American character, so... Yep. like. It ticks all the boxes. I, I, he's great. He needs to be more stuff because he's, he's super cool. I've always thought that I would like to see him more as a solo villain yeah. and just with the Wrecking Crew. because whoever, Why would he take orders from the Wrecker? Yeah, whoever created him, whenever a Wrecking Crew story happens, I'm always most fascinated by the fact that 
they're all talking like, hey, yous, and like very like blue collar. And then this dude is like very smart, very put together. Yeah. Thunderball could be a great breakout solo villain. Totally. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think everybody who maybe, you know, pulls up the Wrecking Crew. They don't know. For, they don't realize yeah. he is He's different than the rest awesome. of them. He, he is very standout. I agree. Thunderball, great underused character. Hell yeah. And then there's a perfect ending. Wombo head. Hashtag SumiRC and said, just discovered this hashtag. Awesome. Hooray. That's a great way to end it. Yeah. All right. Good SumiRC. Yeah. Uh, very I am selection. Delighted and surprised by the reaction to this one. Yeah, seriously. And I learned a lot about it. I think people discovered a lot of new stuff, and there's good places to go from here. Read yeah. this era of Spider-Man some more. If you like any of these characters, there's a lot more stuff. This is a good gateway story. So for the next from URC, uh, recently there's been a lot of interest and controversy in the origin of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch because coming up in Uncanny Avengers, uh, we're going to find out what is now what is now in place for them because some stuff's been thrown into disarray as a result of Axis. So I want to go back to the early 80s to another time Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were searching for answers about their origin. Um, it's a... Little Run of Avengers, written by David Michelini, drawn by John Byrne, mm. collected in trade called Knights of Wondegore, so that's what we're going to call it here. It's about five or six issues. Fun little story. Um, there is some stuff with the Avengers, but then it, the, the latter issues are all focused on Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch going to Wondegore and trying to find out who their parents are, what their origin is. So should be a timely one and an interesting is one. Is the cow lady in it? The cow lady. What's is her name? Bova. Bova. Bova is I love all over Bova. this story, so I think yeah. you will like it. So, Knight, Avengers Knights of Wondegore will be our next one in two weeks. Very cool. Two weeks time. All right. Uh, That's it, man. This is like the length of a regular podcast yeah. section. And, yeah, and me and Alex went a while, too. So, so. thanks for sticking around if you're here to the <laughs> if end. If you're still here, which yeah. is highly unlikely. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll be back next week. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>